Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 30 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well, man. Enjoying a nice cold uh, Genesee. Genesee beer. Ooh. You know I have, a, I have a very soft spot for Genesee. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's from New York, from around where our parents are from, kind of, I think. Uh, Grandpa grew up on Genesee Street. That is true. There you go. So, uh, and also, there was a, there was a bar. This is, uh, this is not a star. This is just an anecdote, <laughs> which means that I'm cutting precious time out of Star Talk. Because, Dave, I was talking to, to uh, producer Mark last week. Yeah. Um, and our five-star segments have consistently been creeping up to, like, the half-hour mark. Ooh, okay. That Let's be a little half, snappier. Almost half of the recorded time of this show is not us talking about Jetman. <laughs> Which, listen, I love. I love talking to you. And I, like, I like listening back on it. It's like a fun audio journal for us. Right. But for the people who tune into this show to listen to Super Sentai Talk, I feel like maybe we should be a little snappier. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, so... Well, okay, quick, tell me about this bar, and then... Yeah, there was this bar near uh, where I used to work when I worked at Borders, and it was like this dump bar on this this side street in what was clearly an old house that had been converted into a bar. Oh, yeah, I was there once or twice. It was not around other businesses. Um, And they sold pitchers of Genesee cream ale for $5 a piece. Oh, boy. Uh, So I've got a... Genesee is very near and dear to my heart. A lot of a lot of fond fond memories. <laughs> anyway, Dave, today is we're talking about episode thirty. Eventually, of Jojen said Die Jetman. It is called the Three Majin Stand. Hmm. There are three Majin, and at some point they will stand. Now you might ask, what is a Majin? I'm sure we'll find out. Actually, no, I'm not sure of that. We might find out. They might just say this is a Majin with zero explanation. That's actually uh, a lot more you, likely. I googled it real quick because I thought I would get a nice, uh, <laughs> nice quick answer for you, and all I found was in Urban Dictionary it called it like a Japanese word for a devil, and other than that, all that came up was Majin Buu from Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I can assume promise would have come up. That it is not a character from Dragon Ball Z in this show. Okay, I trust you. We will get to that, I promise. But first. Our award-winning opening segment, Dave. Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, Matt, our first star of the week is uh, Dumplings. Uh, I I love dumplings. Uh, and what I want to be clear, not like chicken and dumplings style dumplings. I actually find chicken and dumplings like not super great. But um, Asian, Asian style dumplings, particularly Chinese dumplings, I find. And uh, Beth made a whole mess of homemade dumplings last night. And they were crazy good. Uh, fun thing about dumplings, not actually like super difficult to make, just mm-hmm. really time consuming. Oh yeah. I remember one time when I was living in France, um, 
there were a couple of friends of mine who are Argentinian, and I watched them spend all night just making uh, empanadas. Yeah, and like anything and, like, like just that. their whole night. Right, and it did. It took us like a solid, this was with me helping, uh, like a solid hour and a half, maybe two hours from start to finish. Uh, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Because, uh, I mean, dumplings are amazing. Uh, I may have a little bit of a dumpling problem. Like, I've been known... So after LARP events, right, we'll go out to eat and we'll often hit, like, a Chinese buffet because, like, everybody can kind of sit together and we can, like, hang out and, like, you're hungry yeah. after an event because you've been, like, running around all weekend. Uh, I have been known to literally just make an entire meal of dumplings. Like, I just go to the buffet, plate full of dumplings, and I just keep doing that until the dumplings are gone um and then they bring out more and i just keep like friends have had to stop me like good friends will get in your way if you're doing something hurtful to yourself that's sure, like a little mini intervention yeah right like dave that's enough like you need to you need to stop at least pretend to eat the broccoli <laughs> right uh the only problem was so we had him we had him last night and then we're like oh well we'll have we only eat like half of them because you don't need like they're homemade and they're like more substantial than the buffet ones since there's a lot there uh so we're like oh well we'll just we'll have the other half for lunch tomorrow so i go to get them out of the fridge but we hadn't cooked them yesterday right because right. they're better fresh and so i go to like pull the dumpling the first dumpling off of the plate and I realized that like we did not like flour or uh, oil or do anything to stop these dumplings from sticking oh. to each other. And so, <laughs> so it just was grabbed just one and the whole thing came out. Yeah. Uh, so I just, what we ended up with was one sort of meta dumpling. Uh, and <laughs> just boil it all together. Well, we fried it. And so I was like, at first I was going to try and separate it. And I was like, this is clearly not working. So I just dumped the entire plate of dumplings into the pan and made sort of like a giant dumpling casserole more. And then we just sure, like cut it in half and split you it. Just take a slice out of. Yeah. Yeah. Except not a slice. Uh, I just, we just, I ate half of it. Because that was, you know, that was my half. Uh, so, suffice to say, they were also delicious. Little homemade hoisin, or little homemade uh, dipping sauce. Like the dipping sauce they give you at restaurants with the dumplings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like soy sauce and hoisin and a little fish sauce. It's like super easy. It's crazy delicious. Uh, so that's our first star, mat is dumplings. I love them. I think, um, I think what's great, Dave, is that this... I am almost certain that we have had dumplings as a star in the past. And I don't think there was any... Any crossover at all is to those two dumpling conversations. That is how much we have to say on the topic of dumplings. Listen, man, it's a very broad topic. Every culture has a dumpling. Um, but, Matt, what is our, what's our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, Dave, is that last night, um, it was Wednesday night, and some people at the new job, they said, hey, you know, we're having... Like happy hour drinks after work, and I was, and I thought to myself, self, you're new at this job. People are going out for drinks after work. You should go and be yeah. social and go do that thing. You know, do that thing. Right. Be the fun. Be a fun workplace guy. So I did that, and then as I was driving home, I thought, you know, <laughs> it's Wednesday, um, and normally Wednesday is D and D night, but D and D has been canceled for the last couple of weeks because people have been sick or busy or whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, I thought, 
I there's something on Wednesdays that I never get a chance to do anymore, which is the open mic nights that I used to attend sometimes, not to do, but to just sit in and watch. Uh, the comedy shows, they've moved venues since the last time I talked about it on this show. And I haven't okay. been to the new place yet. And I knew the show started at 8. I was going to arrive at like 7.30, you know, from this other place. So, I, you know, I'd sit there, I'd get a beer, I'd wait for the show to start, and then I'd just go down. Yeah, right. And no, so that sounds what good. I did. Now, here's the problem, Dave. Oh. Is that when the website says that the open mic show starts at 8 o'clock, and you, like a functional office dude, right. shows up early so that you can walk down and, like, go through the door at 8 o'clock because you don't want to be late... <laughs> <laughs> what I had forgotten is that I was showing up to a basement open mic comedy show in a bar, like, and that the people, the other people who were attending were not treating the schedule on the website as though it were, like, a meeting that they had to attend. <laughs> and so I show up, and the two people in the room are me and the guy who was setting up the chairs because it is his show. Oh. Like, you know, like we listen no one is going to mistake like us for comedians you know like we we try to make some jokes but even the people who listen to our jokes maybe maybe even especially the people who listen to our jokes <laughs> are not going to mistake us for comedians so i'm sitting there at this bar in the basement just like as the comedians stream in trying to like sit apart from them so that they don't think that like so there's no, like, awkward misunderstanding that I am there trying to do a thing. Right. You just want to be very clear as to, like, your role in all of this. Right. And so what ends up happening is by the time the show begins, since I was the first guy in, I have been, like, slowly pushed towards the front of the room. <laughs> which is great, right? Right. Except theoretically. that the room is big enough that it's not, you know, like, it's an open mic. There is a microphone. It's plugged into a sound system. And my bar stool was right next to the speaker. And so I Ooh. had to spend the whole like hour, two hour show just like leaning back and slightly to the side in my bar stool to avoid having the entire thing get like drilled into the side of my head from Dude. this giant speaker <laughs> I got put next to. No joke. I have actually like vaguely considered just carrying earplugs with me like kind of wherever I go. Because, like, every time I go someplace, like, whatever it is, it's always, like, cranked to 11. It's like, guys, the yeah, universe just doesn't need to be that loud. You turn it down. It's cool. There, I, uh, what's his name? There's a comedian named Howard Kramer, and he uh, he refers to doing that as living the plug life. Yes. Um, All right. Thank you, Howard Kramer. I'm down. I want to live that plug life. Yeah, you're going to live that plug life. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. But was the show good? We, I mean... Oh, it was great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the the rest of this star would just be me like repeating somebody else's funny bits. And we don't need that. Well, yeah, we don't uh, need especially that. Especially because as stated previously, we are trying our best to move quickly through this. <laughs> so, Dave, what? Oh, I guess in closing, arrive fashionably late to these things. Good advice. Uh, Dave, what is our third star of the week? So, Matt, our third show of the week is uh, Beth, when she was in college, did some, uh, she did, like, stone carving. That was, like, a an, like an art class hobby thing of hers that she did, right? And she's been wanting to sort of get back into it over the course of the past, maybe, like, year or two. And so, for Christmas, I had gotten her some, like, chisels and 
hammers and uh there's a piece called a riffler which i think is real fun uh, i don't know what it does but okay. it riffles stone i guess um that's but, the guy from american pie right uh yes yeah that's precisely the guy he is also super into stone carving I got. I don't know where to go from there. Uh, but so, as part of this uh, stone carving thing, you have to have something to like put the stone on, right? Like you can't just put it on your table because it's like a you know twenty pound hunk of stone. You're like hammering I mean, on you it. You can if you hate your table. Yeah. No. Okay. I guess technically you could, but it would be a bad idea. And so, uh, yes, over the course of like yesterday and the day before, uh, I built Beth and sort of showed her how to build because she was helping um, how to build a uh, stone carving table, which is basically just like a crazy sturdy table with like a big lip, like a like an open topped box on the top uh, that you put a bunch of sand in. You could have like jam your chunk of stone in there and it holds it steady so you can like mess around with it right oh yeah nice. yeah so uh it looks very nice i actually felt pretty good about it uh but so as so we finished the table and like beth is painting it and i was like you know man uh, i'm gonna clean the garage up because like we had moved in and then it was like winter time and so like there's just a bunch of junk in the garage right and like i have shelves sure. and like hooks and stuff uh, but everything was just sort of scattered. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean up the garage. And I did. And then I had like a very uh, maybe unnerving experience, Matt. And the unnerving part okay. of it. Yeah. Well, follow me here. Uh, the unnerving well, part you. of it is <laughs> like how, like what a deep sense of satisfaction and like joy I got from having a clean and well-organized garage. Uh, it was ju- like, it's so like dude in his thirties suburban, if that makes sense. Oh dude, you can only own so many shoehorns before like you just become that guy to right. whom a clean and organized garage is like the best part of your day. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I guess I'm that guy now. I do own, well, I own one shoehorn that I use like on the reg and I have another one somewhere, but yeah, my garage is real clean. Stuff is like on hooks and on shelves. Um, it was just, it was deeply satisfying and that was a weird moment. It was a moment. It was a journey of self-discovery, Matt, is what it was. I learned something new about myself. Uh, so, you know. So that's good, I guess. Yeah, uh, although it you. was, although it was weird, and we were cleaning this up another part of the house, and I found two of my favorite shirts that had been missing. So I'm just an old man now because I was real nice. excited about finding those shirts too. Uh, <laughs> like old so friends. What, <laughs> so what, Matt? Is our uh, fourth star of the week? For Star of the Week, Dave, you said that you had gone on a journey of self-discovery. I also went on a journey of sorts, Dave. Uh, but it's the same journey I go on every day. This is Commute Update. Commute Update. Commute Update. Okay, okay so, so, really well, so what happened? I, so it had been a little rainy earlier on the commute. Mm-hmm. The rain had let up, but people still had their headlights on. And I see somebody coming up behind me. And at first, because I had just seen it in the rearview mirror... I thought it was a motorcycle because there was one headlight. Okay. You know, like the song? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and I, I, like, it's sort of coming up a little quickly, uh, but not too quickly. I have time to get out of the way. Um, 
And I get to the side and I see it drive by and I look out my window and I see that what it is is like a 1991 kind of rusty Corvette. And this thing was like, it was the saddest Corvette I had ever seen. Because, okay, the year on this is important for two reasons. One, that means that this is what the epitome of a cool car looked like when I was in elementary school. Like, uh, back when okay, I was a yeah. little kid and thought like, oh man, cool car. Like, that was the That car. was this, like, okay. It was like yeah. that early 90s Corvette, right? Right. What it also means is that that car is now old enough to have historic plates on it. Oh! Because I, I think a car has to be, what is it, 25? I think 25 years old. Uh, I don't know precisely, uh, but that sounds about right. Sure. I, re- I used to know the number because I used to own a 1988 Honda Civic. And oh, I was and you really like hoping that I could have <laughs> like kept you it could long almost enough to get there. Historical plates on it. Uh, that did not happen. The wheel fell off of that car uh, in a parking lot while I was getting a sandwich one time. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so that car <laughs> that was just it. <laughs> that went to the, the the great Civic in the sky. Uh, anyway, so I see this thing drive by, and it's like. You can just see that the years have not been kind to this car. And the thing that really put it over the top, that made it the saddest Corvette, is that you know how that era of Corvette had, like, the the headlights that pop up out of the front, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're super cool. Right. You know when they're less cool? Is when only one of them pops up. <laughs> oh, like a sad, winky Corvette. That's the thing is it was like it's a, it was kind of rusty and a little dinged up and only one eye was open and it just looked like it looked like Rocky had just lost a fight and he was a car now. You know like just sort of like limping down the road one eye closed no. like uh, No, Matt, that's run. perfect. I feel like I know exactly what that car looks like now. Yeah, and like that's all I got. It was just this old car, but it really like it stuck in my brain, and I needed to share it with you. <laughs> okay, so Dave, finally, what is our fifth star of the week? Okay, so Matt, fifth star of the week is something very, very exciting. Uh, it's a really, I feel like it's like it's been a super high point of my week. Uh, is that I have not seen Batman versus Superman D of J. And I'm just real, real excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Uh, So I haven't seen it. And I'm just really jazzed about that. It's been a real bright point in my week so far. uh, Not having watched that movie. Feeling real strong about it. I tell you what. I also have not watched that movie. All right on. High five. Great. Uh, (laughs) Producer Mark watched it. I talked to him a bit. And he said that there's maybe like 15 minutes of very excellent movie in there. And then oh, the rest and of it is just like, and the know, movie is in fact more than fifteen minutes long, right? That's oh yeah, no, that movie is more than two hours long. Yeah, um, there is more than two <laughs> hours of bad movie in that movie. There just also happens to be a couple of really good scenes, dude. This and now I did hear actually. So okay, if you're not familiar, uh, or if you don't know, rather, sorry. So. Uh, BVS DOJ uh, is getting hammered by critics. Like, just everybody agrees that this movie is terrible. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's still making like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, of course it is. Um, but I guess in response to this, finally, finally, somebody at DC is listening to something and they're just like, guys, maybe we should like try to lighten up the next movie. And I guess they're doing just, they're redoing massive chunks of Suicide Squad to to change it. So that it's not just like grim and dark and gritty. I think what what's really great about that is that it means that we just got a movie where Batman kills a million people, and in response to that, we are getting a movie that like makes Deadshot and Harley Quinn like a lot more fun and lighthearted, which is just madness. I tell you, like, dude. So like when I first like saw, if, I was like, all could- right. Superman versus Batman. Like, this is a classic thing that happens, right? Like, two heroes, they don't know each other, they meet up, they fight, and then they realize that, like, they're both good guys, and then they fight, like, a new bad guy, right? Which is, I guess, how the movie goes. Um, But all I know is that in, like, a whole bunch of the trailer shots, Batman has a gun. Like, Batman has an assault rifle. Uh, And as soon as you put a gun into the hands of Batman... Like, I'm just automatically out. I'm out. Yeah. Because, like, you like, clearly is, have no the, idea what's up with Batman. For me. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you know that, like, there is a famous scene with Batman and a gun, right? Right. And you know how it ends. And you have to know because it's in every single Batman movie <laughs> and show and anything. Like, Anything with Batman. The gun comes out, the parents die, the gun goes away forever. Unless you're talking about that one time in the Final Crisis where he shot Darkseid. Yeah. Uh, so, again, just real, real excited not to have seen that movie. Uh, Matt, I think that's actually going to probably be a real nice part of next week and probably the week after. Actually, I think it's probably going to be a really nice thing just kind of ongoing until I forget forward, about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's just a real bright point in life from now on. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, that's something that you can look forward to is never watching it. Um, but there Listen, are some if, things that you that should look forward to. If that is the Batman movie for you and you liked it, like that is great. I do not want to try to take away from your joy. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to like something for it to be valid that you like it. Uh, but for me. For yeah. me. But. Uh, there are some things that we should be excited about watching, Matt. Oh, one thing in particular, I think. Yeah. Episode 30 of Church and Sentai Jetman. So let's do that. Yes. And we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 30, The Three Majin Stand, or as the translation we were watching called it, The Three Demons Stand, which, uh, solves that question for us. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was an easy one. So, Dave, uh, why don't you tell us what we are getting ourselves into here? Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Well, it is a doozy of an episode. Uh, it is that? We do, get, <laughs> we do get the three titular demons who, at one point, do stand together. Uh, we have our latest convolution in the maze of love. Uh, let's just, yeah, that's it. I think that probably tells you everything you need to know. As far as recap goes, let's do okay. it. Okay, so uh, we start off in the spooky, spooky woods. Right. Uh, and by spooky woods, Matt means 
very pleasant woods in the middle of the day. Yes. The sun is shining. Uh, there are birds chirping. But there's some hikers, and they're lost. And they're lost, and they're afraid. And, and, and the camera work is trying to indicate that these are spooky woods. Like, it's kind of moving unsteadily and going in circles. Yeah. As though they're doing their creepy best. were happening. And then they get attacked by some plastic bats that are like swung near them on some strings. And in that the middle out the of hikers. the day. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, hey, listen, what's more spooky, regular bats or daytime bats? Uh, okay, yeah, I guess. Um, the, I guess I would be a little daytime, Not only is it a out. bat, but like that's a bat who's clearly confused about something or magic. Yeah, that's. Or cursed. Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, sure, Matt. Uh, so, okay, so one of these hikers, so one of these hikers is like very reasonable. He's like, dude, this is weird. Like, let's just turn around. I'm not even sure where we are anymore. Like, let's just retrace our steps. The other hiker says, no, we're going forward. And as they're walking forward, they just encounter like a cloud of red mist. Yes. Now. And the one hiker says, what is going on? And the other and hiker he, says, like, no, come on, let's go. Like, we're going is, through this. It is as though the other hiker doesn't see the red mist that they are wandering into. If I, like, if I did not know better, I would genuinely assume <laughs> the one hiker to be, like, a confederate with the monsters. Because he's just like, no, red mist, totally fine. Let's do it. And he just walks right into it. And then they're walking by, like, on the side of their path. The path doesn't even lead into it. Like, the there's a cave next to the path. And the hiker, the same one that thinks the mist is cool, is like, oh, this cave, we got to go into it. It's like, like, oh, wait, 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 hold on. What is up with this cave? Because, like, that is where the mist is coming from. And the, I I have them in my notes as the scared guy and the dumb guy. The scared guy is like, wait, what is happening? This is a bad cave. And the dumb guy just says, what are you talking about? Like, a cave is a cave. Clearly, here it is. Let's go into the cave. And then they're walking into it. For no discernible reason, he just says, what do you mean? It's perfect. Perfect for what, dumb hiker? Well, we are about to see what it is perfect for. We're about to find out. Yeah, okay. So a solid, gosh, I would say maybe 20 feet into this cave is a big, like, antechamber. uh, And there's, like, some crazy pots on the ground. And then there are some statues carved into the walls. Some relief That have apparently... Yeah, that have apparently been undisturbed since, like, the dawn of time. Yes, which, you know, you would think that, like, a bear would be living in this cave, too, because it's just open and in the middle of the woods, but... Yup, uh, Maybe but the it bear is, not. is smart enough to avoid the red mist where this guy is not. <laughs> so, they're so. walking in, and the dumb guy, like... And I want to point something out here. What is about to happen does not break the dumb guy's stride. He walks in and kicks over like an urn that is full of ichor. I think that's the only thing I could refer to it as. Either ichor or ectoplasm. He kicks it over. It oozes out of the urn and neither of them stop or look at it as though like it's just invisible to them. 
So out of this ichor, where we find out it is like the protoplasmic, like condensed form of Demon Moo. So Demon Moo sort of like reconstitutes himself out of this green ichor uh, and then kills the two hikers. In one uh, his stroke name of is, his like crazy hand blade. Because he's got a sword Yeah, hand. he's got like... Yeah, they're on... Well, he's got hands. They're actually pretty cool. You gotta get a picture uh, of them later. Is that they're swords and they're on like manacles and there's uh, swivels. So he can like kind of swivel them down to run along his forearms, but then he can also kind of toss them up into his hands and then murdelate people with those swords. Um, as he does here. Yeah, as he does here. So he kills those two dudes. Uh, you, they are killed... We know that they're killed because we see a hat and a camera fly up into the camera shot. Uh, I assumed that those dudes were going to be decapitated, but then we see them and they're just dead. So whatever. Uh, and so Lord Demon Moo turns to the two statues and he says, uh, Lord Raman and Lord Gorg, like, I will revive you and then we will rule this earth again, like, together. Um. So the one demon's name is Lord Gorg, which that's a good demon name, right? Yes. And the other one's name is Lord uh, Ramon, is how they say it. But in the subtitles, it's just Ramon. Yeah. Um, so I am having a real hard time taking Lord Ramon seriously as Dude, a demon uh, murder killer. Just think, of him uh, as, uh, just think of him as Lord Razor Ramon. Ooh, that does help. Razor okay. Ramon, scary so here's, what here's what we got. I'm going to see if this works at all throughout the course of this episode. These dudes are Razor Ramon and Diesel. We got Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, Lords Ramon and Gorg. Okay. I don't know if this is going to play out or if we're both going to be disappointed by this theory I have just concocted. Uh, But let's see if I can't make it work by the end of the episode. Okay, so we go back to Sky Camp. Uh, the chief looks like she's doing her taxes. Uh, she's like she's not, but that's kind of what it looks like. She just has like a big stack of papers, and she's kind of going through them and frowning. And we go over uh, to another part of Sky Camp, and the Jetmen are working on something. Like we don't know what it is, but they are in their like mechanics jumpsuits, so you know they're doing something like technical, right? They're all in different zones. Like, they're all around each other, but they're not, like, at a table or something. They're, like, designing something together. And uh, Kauri is doing something with, like, electronics or computer something, but she's very confused. Like, she's not sure, like, exactly what it is she's doing. Right. She has, like, some Uh, documents in front of her, and she's trying to work on it. But, like, as we've mentioned before, I don't think that they got any sort of, like, training to do this stuff. They're just the five people who are available to do the work. And, like, you know, Kauri is very good at a number of things. She's an excellent musician. Uh, she's a right. great motorcycle thief, as we saw a yep. long time ago. But perhaps she is not also, like, an electrical engineer. Yeah, that does not seem to be in her range of talent. So we kind of pan out, and what we see is that the Jetmen are building a new giant robot. Awesome. Yes. We flash over to the chief, and she says, Jetman. And they're like, yes, chief. And she says, the Virum are getting much stronger. We're going to need a new robot. Which is, like, that's what we're doing exactly right now, chief. You didn't need to, we know. 
And it's like already mostly built. This thing is like two thirds done. Right. Like the legs are, it's basically built up to the waist at this point. And then like the torso and arms and head, I guess, are sort of like in pieces on the ground. And they're kind of hoisting right. it all up and putting it into place as though it were built out of Legos. Which again, <laughs> right. all giant robot technology is just jammed together smaller bits of giant robot technology. So maybe that's how it yep. works. Uh, that is clearly how it works. We've already seen it with Jet Icarus and Jet Garuda. You just kind of slap those guys together, and they just stick with robot magic. Uh, so, <laughs> so whatever it is that Kaori is supposed to be working on, she screws the pooch. And there's, like, sparks and fire and explosion. And uh, Guy runs in and, like, covers her up to kind of save her from these flying sparks. Uh, she feels super bad about it. And the chief just says, well, we'll just have to start over. Which seems pretty drastic. Which, yeah, it's like two-thirds done. It was like one circuit that Kaori messed up. You don't need to scrap the whole thing, Chief. Listen, the, the Chief is harsh. The Chief does not care to spare <laughs> Kaori's feelings. God, I love the Chief so much. So we uh, come okay. to a boxing gym where one lone boxer, the skinniest boxer on the planet Earth is practicing. That's exactly what my notes say. I say skinniest boxer ever, but like, I can't believe this dude can even lift these gloves. He could probably beat me up. Like, no joke. Like, if this dude is a boxer at all, he could probably beat me up, uh, but he is a super skinny dude. Yeah, like, if I looked at this dude and someone said, which sport is this guy excellent at, I would say like, marathon running. Like, that is this dude's build. So, Demon Moo just appears in the ring and, like, challenges this dude. He's like, come on, show me what you got. And the boxer, instead of freaking out and running, is just like, all right, Demon, who's, like, easily four times my size, like, let's throw down. So, he jumps in the ring and he starts, like, throwing some shots at Demon Moo and they just kind of bounce off of him. And then Demon Moo swings around his arm blades and, like, cuts this dude's head off. Yeah, like, it is... I feel as though he should have at least... It's very one-sided. He should have at least taken off his padded gloves. (laughs) Um, I do not think that Moo is there for, like, an exhibition where one of them will win based on points. Right. So Demon Moo actually says, after he kills this dude, he's like, what the heck? There's no good warriors. So obviously, like, we know where this is going to go. But he says, he's like, there's no good warriors. This is no good. And then he just leaves. Okay, so we cut back to Sky Camp. Late at night, Kaori is there. She's no longer in her mechanics jumpsuit. She's just in a regular outfit. And she is doing something on the computer that looks like she is trying to hack a computer in Fallout 3. (laughs) Like, if you have played those games and you know what the screen looks like, it's just like a black screen covered in random characters. And she's just, like, pushing buttons, making something happen. So she's sitting there, like, obviously she's trying to, like, figure out what she did wrong or whatever, but Guy shows up. He arrives, and he's got, like, some drinks and maybe, like, a little snack or something, and he says, hey, what's up? What up, girl? What are you still doing here? How she's you like, doing? oh, I just, like, I really got to study. I'm, you know, like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this thing, and he says, yeah, I figured you might be. Like, I brought some snacks. Like, I brought you a drink. So Guy tosses her a can of some kind of beverage. It's a dark-looking can. I can't yeah, tell like, what whatever. it is. I it's probably some weird-flavored pop. Or some kind of, like, coffee-in-a-can thing. Uh, that, yeah, sure. Like, like, it's c- c- completely immaterial. Right. Um, 
And she like smiles and catches it and like opens it up and takes a sip. It's like, ah, like this is so nice. And Guy's response to this is like, yes, this is nice. As though like, yes, this whole thing is great. I'm doing a good job. Like, go Guy. Like, we are on track. (laughs) The maze of love. Right. He is very. uh, He could see it. The end is in sight. Uh, And then he sort of looks very lovingly at Kauri, but she's like drinking her drink. So we go from there. Uh, and we see like a uh, cool, it's like dim in whatever room this is. And we see this cool shot of like samurai armor sort of pans down. And we see that there is like a dude in like traditional kimono and he's got a katana next to him. And he's sort of like meditating, I guess. And Demon Moo arrives and like runs and attacks this dude from behind. The samurai's like senses are honed and he, uh, he turns around like right at the last second and defends himself with his sword. And he actually, like, gives gives uh, Demon Moo a couple of shots, man. Like, they go back and forth for a minute. It, yeah, it's, it's a very but, cool back and forth. But then Demon Moo, like, I guess his arm blade is just better than the dude's katana. Because he just breaks the dang thing in half. And then the swordsman looks at it like, oh no. Like, this has gone <laughs> very badly. <laughs> that is immediately then, murdered. So, Right. Now this is okay, so now we find out. He says, Oh, Demon Moo does. I mean, I'm sure the dead samurai, like in his spirit, is saying, Oh, but we don't know, because he's dead. Uh and so Demon Moo is like, dang, there's no good warriors. And now we find out why. He says, How am I ever gonna revive Lord Gorg and Lord Ramon with this third rate blood? So whatever it is he's doing, he is searching for a powerful warrior, and he will use that warrior to revive his, like, demon masters, which is actually a pretty rad story. Yeah, it's, it's a nice hook. So uh, next scene from there, we just, it's daytime, and Kauri is just pouring Guy some wine. Uh, it's like a picnic in a park, but she has brought out, like, a formal dining room table with, like, candles and flowers and stuff. And also, this seems to very obviously be a public park, so I don't know how much money Kauri dropped to, like, have it closed off for her private use for the day. Um, I don't know. But that is is what she seemingly has done. It is a location that I have seen before, and I can't remember in which show. Um, if it was oh, in, no kidding. Okay. If it was in this one or a different one. But, like, if you've seen a bunch of Super Sentai, this is, like, the park where there's, like, this big sort of cascading waterfall fountain in kind of an enclosed area. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very it cool looking neat. spot. So Guy says, like, so what's up with this? Why did you invite me? Uh... And Kauri's like, well, you know, like, you've helped me so many times, and you're so nice, and you're such a great guy. And I'm a little like, Kauri, dude, have a heart. Like, you know this dude is super into you. And I recognize that you have gone, like, completely bananas, like, literally kind of off the deep end about Ryu. But at least be, like, considerate of the fact that you know that guy is super into you. There is a you know what weird I'm saying? sense that she does not remember that from episode to episode. And maybe that is a and like maybe that is on purpose to kind of like help people who aren't watching every episode like pick up on things to like reintroduce was, it like that. Yeah, I was just going to say this. Like it very much seems as though both she and Guy have completely forgotten 
guys like open declaration of love slash like pursuit and are just starting from zero. That like as though that literally never happened. Now, later in this the episode, we are going to 100% contradict that. But for now, that is sort of how they're playing it, to introduce it in this episode. So Guy sort of walks right. over, and Kauri is sitting in her chair at her end of the table, and Guy, like, sits on the table, like, near her, and kind of, like, has her fill up his wine glass again. And she's saying, Guy, like, you act like a bad boy, but, like, I think that that's not the case. To which Guy's response is like, wait, do you, like, do you think I'm a good dude? Like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I am not nearly as good of a dude as you think I am. Like, I have ul- ulterior motives. And he, like, then he right. reaches and takes her hand. Like, do you remember this bit from the earlier episode? <laughs> right. He's like, I'm only doing this to get something from you in return. You must have noticed by now. now uh, and then Radigan attacks. Will, I will say, at this point in the show, and again, we have very well documented that Guy has been, like, a garbage like jerk earlier on yeah he has done some deeply inappropriate things um but at this point as the character has progressed i feel as though him saying like no i'm a bad person and i have ulterior motives and those ulterior motives are like you know physical and romantic in nature um i yeah i feel as though he's kind of protesting too much like guy has at this point in the show like we're 30 episodes in guy has become a good guy like he really has yeah, gone through he a big has change. right he's like he's turned a legit corner like no joke like in pursuit of calorie is why he's doing this but like he has really shaped up in many ways um but this tender moment but I feel as like his only tools, like his whole game is like being the suave bad boy. And now that like he's become a genuinely good dude, he does not know how to pursue women. <laughs> and he just keeps like falling back on his old habits. Like, no, 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 I, I'm selfish and bad. And maybe I'm negging you. I really don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this tender moment, though, is interrupted uh, because this is Super Sentai show by explosions. So, uh, they are exploded by Radigat, and he says, like, ha, now that you've fallen in love, like, you've let your guard down, like, this is how humans always do this, and I'm ending it today, like, I'm killing you, black swan, or it's black like, condor and white swan. Like, Radigat, were you just waiting behind that bush for someone to fall in love? <laughs> like, you could have attacked uh, at I any think, other point. I think the answer is clearly Yes. Like, Radigat, much like the Todd, like, knows that there's a moment for these things, and is just, like, waiting for the moment to strike. And, like, he's so, got the uh, Grenham he... soldiers, and they keep trying to run. He's like, no, 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 guys, wait, 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 no, we've got to wait for it to be perfect. <laughs> I nailed it, though. I think I nailed it. Um, <laughs> so, the Viram attack, and it's like, you know, it's Black Condor and White Swan versus Radigat and the Grenham soldiers, but, more importantly... We see Demon Moo, and he's, like, off in the distance. Like, he's not in the scene, but we go to where he is, and he says, ah, I sense it. Like, I sense the power of warriors. Yes. He's like, there might be some people worth killing, I guess, in this age. And he just starts running. He's super excited. And he's just, like, running through the woods, and then we cut back to the fight. Um, It's not going well for Guy and Kauri because they have not cross-changed, and they are outnumbered. And so yeah. Kauri gets knocked over and Radigat is like jumping towards her to attack. Guy jumps in the way as though he was about to take the hit. 
at this moment, the rest of the Jetmen show up and shoot Radigate with, like, their giant, like, laser chain gun that is sitting on top of their branded super truck. It's great. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and then they all arrive. So, like, all the Jetmen are here, and they cross-change, and Radigate's like, oh, it's on now. And he goes to transform into, like, his super weird bat form that we have seen in, like, episode four, I think. Um, but we do get a really awesome shot as he's transforming because <laughs> he sort of flashes say. back and forth. Right. He flashes back and forth. Um, and you can see like that they put in uh, – he has fangs, but in one of the flash back and forth, he's clearly like lost them a little bit. <laughs> And these are like dollar store like Halloween fangs, and they've sort of like halfway fallen out of his so mouth. You can like see where they stop and his real teeth begin because they're just like floating in his mouth. <laughs> so he turns into like his crazy like demon bat form, uh, and they're all fighting. And Radigan is actually having trouble. Like the Jetmen have gotten a lot stronger, and you know, like he's not going down, but he is clearly losing this fight. But you know what's weird is that like. This form is theoretically like his more powerful monster form. But the fact is we haven't seen it in so long that it feels like a step back. It feels like this is Radigan at like, you know, fourth episode power level and he's fighting Jetman at episode 30 power level. And so like, it's just not going to go well. I know that that's just like the perception based on how long it's been since we've seen this monster form, but that's totally how I felt while we were watching it. Yeah, it was a little weird that they brought it back. I sort of feel like they almost just had to say, like, hey, uh, have we done, like, Crazy Demon Bat Radigan in a minute? No? All right, like, let's just get that in here. Maybe sales were so, dipping on the toy because, like, no one remembered what it was supposed to be. <laughs> so, so Moo arrives uh, and attacks. And there's, like, a really weird moment because we flash back to the Viron dimension where, like, all the other Viron commanders are watching this on, like, the telescreen. And Maria sees Demon Moo and is like, what? As though she recognizes him, which, like, she doesn't. It's just, like, a strange moment. Like, I was expecting later to find out that there was some connection. There's nothing. No. She's just surprised and confused. Yeah, I think that what they were trying to convey was that, like, Maria saw this thing and was like, wait, that's a monster. That's not one of ours. What is happening? But it totally makes it look like she had read the legend of the demon Moo and now is surprised to see him in real life. Yeah. Um, so we cut to commercial. We flip back. Uh, we find out why demon... So we now that we're back, we're just like we're seeing the fight. And we find out why demon Moo is called demon Moo because he's a Pokemon. And whenever he's not seeing anything else, he just says like, Moo, 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 Moo. He absolutely uh, does. I also have that Pokemon yeah. bit in my notes. It is hilarious. <laughs> so... He's like he's fighting, and um, you know, like he's basically getting the better of the Jetmen. But he he throws a shot at Kauri. She kind of goes flying, but she bounces off a tree, pulls her bird blaster mid air, and like blows his arm off. He instantly regenerates it, but he does. He's super like he's super impressed by the fact that she has managed to do this. So, I mean, he is impressed, but he is not yet defeated. He shoots, like, a big fireball blast out of his mouth and knocks everybody over. And they all get, like, uncross-changed. So they're all lying in, like, this smoking heap. And uh, Moo walks over and picks up Kauri, specifically, and goes to walk away with her. 
Now, here's what I really like about this. Is that what very easily could be happening here is that, like, Kauri is, like, the damsel in distress, and she's being taken by the monster, and she needs to get rescued by a guy who is in love with her, right? Right. You do kind of get that. But it's not as, like, much of that trope as it could have been, because the reason that he decided to take Kauri is because Kauri was the one that shot his dang hand off. And so she is, like, the greatest warrior of the group, so she obviously has the strongest blood. So it's not because she is, like, the lady in getting kidnapped. It's because she's the strongest one, and therefore that's his target. I thought it was a... Right. I thought it was a nice way to sort of, like, put that on its head a bit. Yeah, no, I thought it was really cool. Uh, so, Moo is kidnapped Kauri, and the next scene that we see is that it's, like, Moo, who's, he's, like, carrying her into this cave, which, seriously, how has nobody noticed this cave? It's a giant cave. It's, like, just to the side of a hiking path. Um... Okay, so he's carrying her in, but as he is carrying her in, her, like, cross-changer bleep bloops and, like, signals, I guess, the other Jetmen as to where she is. Yes, and so they all sort of follow after, now that I guess they have recovered. So we see a quick shot of Guy, like, on his bike, like, looking for Kauri, and then we flash back to the cave. And uh, we have a little bit better shot of the cave now. What it is is that there's the two demon like carvings on the wall on either side, and then in the center of those is like a hollow space that's kind of vaguely person shaped. All right? right, and Kauri has been placed into this hollow, and this is where Demon Moo kind of like lays out the whole plan that her blood, because she's such a powerful warrior, will revive. Uh, Lords Ramon and Gorg. Right. So he's about to get this rolling when Guy shows up. Guy has gotten ahead of the other people somehow, I guess because he got on his motorcycle and the rest of them all had to like pile into the truck. Uh, and also, I guess oh this cave is not too terribly <laughs> far from a spot where a motorcycle can drive to. Um, he runs in and he's like, Kauri, no, like I need to stop this thing. But these tentacles come out and start to, like, suck the blood out of Kauri. Yeah, well, they co- they sort of, like, go over, just, like, kind of grab at her. But they don't start yet, I don't oh, think. Oh, right. You're, you are and correct. And Guy, Sorry. yeah, and Guy pulls a rad move. And he's like, you want blood? I got you. And he just pulls out a knife and, like, cuts his hand open. And I guess these tentacles are sort of shark-like. They just sort of go toward this closest source of blood. Uh, and they, like, wrap around Guy and uh, just start sucking his blood out. And they did a really neat practical effect where the veins are on the outside of the tentacles, and they're, like, clear tubing, and so you're seeing the blood, like, get sucked back into the tentacle. It's pretty neat. It's very neat. And so Guy is, like, you know, he's wrapped up in his tentacles, and he's struggling. Like, he's down on one knee and kind of, like, you know, trying to get out. Kauri is still kind of, like, she's not... I guess she's somehow restrained in this little like in yeah it's inset that it's she's got to be some into. sort of like mystical field or something because she's not like tied up. And as she's watching this happen, we get a series of flashbacks of all the previous episodes where a guy has sacrificed himself or really, you know, gone out of his way to save Kauri. And heads up, it's a bunch of times. I sort of actually didn't quite remember 
just how many times Guy has like jumped in front of a literal or figurative bullet for Kauri. But like it is it's a, a lot. bunch. Yeah, I think there's at least like six or seven times where this has happened. And this is only episode 30 of this show. But what's great is like this has come up often enough that when it came time for a montage like this, like they had a lot to do. They have been playing this out for a super long time. Yeah, they totally played the long game on this, and it's pretty rad. So while this is happening, Kauri is like, gosh, she says, she's like, guy, no, I, and like guy looks up and he's like, huh? And she's like, I really, I love you. What? Crazy. solved the puzzle of love. Matt. Episode 30, we just got this thing. Did you seriously just say puzzle instead of maze of love? Well, I mean, you can't solve a maze. She is a- you can! You can totally solve a maze! <laughs> okay. Okay. She has solved the maze of love. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, guys, oh, this is so good. Guys smile, like, looks up at her, smiles, and, like, basically collapses. He falls to his knees. The other Jetmen arrive. Uh, Raita and Akko save Kaori. Ryu cuts Guy free. They grab everyone and, like, bug out. So they run outside, and, like, Guy is being helped by Kaori, and the other three are standing there sort of in between them and Mu. Ryu turns back to them and says, like, hey, can you fight? And Guy says, "So long, like, of course I can. So long as I have one drop of blood left in me, I will fight. And then, and then he cross-changes, and they fight. <laughs> no, okay. It's so that good! happen, but we don't see any of that fight. Because what happens is, he cross-changes, and as soon as he finishes saying, like, Black Condor, we smash cut to the inside of this cave. <laughs> That's what I forgot. Uh, because Radigat has sort of been like creeping on this whole process. I don't know where he was hiding because I feel like there's only one entrance into this cave. And I feel like the Jetman just must have ran right by him. Uh, but he's there and he's like, hmm, demon lords, huh? He's like, I'll revive them and then they'll serve me as like my servants or something. And so he, I don't know how he makes himself bleed because all it looks like is he just clenches his fist real hard I think and he, he starts like, to bleed. I think he like stabs his palm with his like clawed fingertips. That's what I was getting out of it. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. And so the tentacles go like they grab around his arm and uh, like Lord Gorg and Lord Ramon start to revive. We actually do get to see a little bit of the fight uh, and like oh. basically the Jetman all working together Bring down Demon Moo. They use the Jet Striker. They blow him up. It seems like that's going to be the end, but it isn't. We go back to the cave, and this is when, like, the Demon Lords, like, full on, like, kind of bust out of their stone thing and are, like, there. Right. So, Radigat is kind of, like, you know, crouched over and, like, recovering as they are coming out. Because, you know, he's had a lot of his blood sucked out. Moo runs in, and he's like... Lord Ramon, Lord Gorg, like, I need your help. Like, give me more strength so I can go back to the fight. Those dudes just cold tail, like, no, you are, like, weak and wounded and you suck and we don't need people like you. And they zap them with their staff and he is dead immediately. 
<laughs> it was awesome. Uh, and then they just leave. And, like, the cave starts to collapse. And it looks like Radigan is getting caught in, like, this cave-in. Uh, not the case. He's actually he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. But, like, they just march out. I'm not exactly sure what their mission is, but they are on it for sure. We cut from there, and we just see Kauri and Guy sitting under a tree, facing different directions. There's music Whatever. playing. The camera is sort of like on this pan that is circling the tree in sort of a wide arc. Yeah. Kauri sort of like looks back just a little bit, and she like reaches down and takes Guy's hand. And then he sort of like looks back a little at her, and then he takes her hand, and then they sort of, he like kind of turns and we get a shot of them kind of like each looking over their shoulders at each other, holding hands. Uh, it's on, and it's super adorable. It is, but it's also kind of weird because clearly like, I don't think, like Guy has been working towards this, but now that it's happening, I don't think he quite knows how to respond. And Kauri, right. I feel He's like- like a- like, Kauri was not expecting it to happen. And now that it is, she's like, I guess I'm holding this dude's hand now. Like, that's cool. This is what we're doing now, I guess. <laughs> like, both of so... them just seem completely lost. Like, we finally made it. Now what on earth are we doing? Yeah. Um. So we leave there, and we just see the demons, Lord Gorg and Lord Ramon, uh, marching through... Oh, heads up, I have no idea which one of these is Gorg and which one is Ramon by the way. Uh, and they're like marching through a forest and Radigat stops them. And it looks like they're about to fight. Well, this is the end of the episode. And I feel like, th- like this is a cliffhanger. If you didn't know by now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And right. It sort Sorry. Of shows this is those not, dudes uh... and the voiceover dude says like, Hey, what are these two demons doing here? And then it cuts back to sky camp and uh, chief is trying to put that giant robot back together. It's like, what is chief doing with this big robot? Check it out next week, guys. Jetman. And that is the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let me do a little wrap-up stuff before we get to high points and low points, because I feel like we missed a very key point. Okay. Did we at some point mention that Lords Gorg and Ramon, like way back in ancient days, were kind of like the rulers of the planet, and that they had some point like been sealed away and gone to sleep? Did we mention that? Oh. I mentioned it, like, way super early on, because Demon Moose has something about it, but no, that's kind of it. But yeah, that is totally the case. We don't know exactly what the Jim Jam is, but... But they are not yes, violent. Like Lord like, Gorg and Lord Ramon They are native to the Earth. Earth. Yes. Um, okay, so, and the other bit of uh, wrap-up at the end is... I'm, Man, I do not know if I can make it work to try to describe those two dudes as uh, Razor Ramon and Diesel. Except to say that those two guys, uh, Razor Ramon and Diesel, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, uh, when they left the WWF and went to WCW, they were like the two dudes coming in from the outside. They were the outsiders um, that were like their own faction that nobody knew how to deal with. And they ran the show for a while. So maybe I wasn't as wrong as I thought I was, guys. Well done. Slow golf clap. Uh, All right. <laughs> so that was, man. Okay, okay. so Matt, uh, high point? Dude, okay, there's a lot of high point in this episode. I am going to, I've got two. A real Go one and it. a joke one. My real one is, um, it's the maze of love. 
like they finally got to the end of the maze of love and these two characters are finally together they've been dragging it out for 30 episodes and for a long yep. time it really didn't seem like those two were going to end up together you know I, I genuinely assumed that they were not up until halfway through this episode. Like they just, you know, they played a long game and they did a good job. And I'm just, I'm so proud of them. I'm just, I'm proud of the characters. <laughs> I'm proud of the creators. I'm proud of us for sticking through it. Um, okay. And my joke high point is I love that we basically see none of the last fight. Like, we get the transformation, then we go inside the cave for a while, and when we come back, they're doing all their sweet finisher moves. And that is it. Like, they realize at this point that, like, that fight adds nothing to the narrative and they've got a lot to get through. <laughs> so, like, forget that. We will come back to them, like, for the big condor finish. <laughs> I totally, I completely forgot about big condor finish. It was <laughs> tremendous. Because we haven't seen condor finish in how long? And it just, it's just, like, condor finish is just, like, he jumps at a dude and hits them with his sword while, they're like, his symbol right. flashes behind him. It's nothing, right. but it's I like love it. It's like a complete non-move. Uh, okay, Dave, what is your high point this week? Dang, dude, okay, straight up. This might be the best episode of Jetman so far. I mean, like, I hesitate a little to say that because all the stuff that happens kind of builds on everything that has been happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it was like it was a solid, solid episode, man. Like, Guy and Kauri get together. Uh, like, the bad guys are awesome. There's going to be a new robot. We got a weird um, Pokemon demon. Oh, dude, he was even in a Pokeball at the beginning of the episode. He was in, like, an early-shaped yeah. Pokeball. <laughs> I did not put that together. Uh, but, yeah, he was. So, dude, I don't even think I can pick a single high point. No joke. Like, the whole episode was friggin' great. Um... If I had to pick one, and you do, I think the sh okay. I think the shot where like Guy and Kauri finally hold the hands was just really well done, and I'm pretty sure the music playing in the background was like a violin slash orchestral version of the Jetman theme song, which is the best thing I've heard. Of. I would have to go back and check. No, I'm not going to go back and check. I'm just going to assume that that is the case because that would be tremendous. <laughs> Um, low point, man. Oh man, low point. Okay, okay, I can do this. Um, see, even, dig deep, dig deep. Yeah, even even the bad things about this episode, I loved. Like the fact that Radigat's teeth fell out as he was like transforming. Like <laughs> objectively, that's bad. But watching the episode made it so fun. Um, yeah, do I mean the anything? teeth were down. <laughs> Uh, I think my only low point is, like, the completely inexplicable, like, drive of Dumb Hiker to, like, charge through this red mist into a strange cave. Because uh, <laughs> he never even says, like, no, I'm sure that this is the way back home. He's just like, no, nah, man, red mist. Like, you got to check it out. Let's, Let's go. And that's that's it. And then they die. So I guess that's my low point. But, like, whatever, man. Okay, so I think that's going to do it for another episode of The Jet Man with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and gosh, I hope you do, 
Please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help new people find the show. If you are one of the people who have done that, you have my thanks. The Super Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. We are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week. Dave!